Blog Talk Radio. The following broadcast is brought to you by the iGolf Sports Network. The Women of Golf Show is sponsored by the iGolf Sports Network and Golf Tips Magazine. iGolf Sports is a live stream broadcast and media production company providing quality programming designed to attract the golfing enthusiasts. And Golf Tips, the game's most in-depth instruction magazine with insightful reviews on the latest equipment, tips from top teaching professionals, helping you improve your game from tea to green. Good morning, welcome to the Women of Golf, the number one women's golf show around the world, with host Ted Odorico and Cindy Miller. Join them as they interview some of the best players from the Epson, LPGA and Legends Tour, and so many others helping to elevate women's golf. So without further ado, here are your hosts, Ted and Cindy. All right, good morning, everybody, and once again, welcome to the Women of Golf Show. I'm Ted Odorico, and right alongside is LPGA professional and Legends Tour player, Cindy Miller, and we are your hosts here on the Women of Golf Show. Good morning, Cindy, and welcome back. Well, thank you, darling. How are you? I'm doing well, and you're just fresh off of a boot camp, another boot camp. So this is what, the second of the year or third of the year? Third. We did two. Wow. Very good. I don't know how you do it. And also, you're, uh, you shared some good news. The dome uh, that you uh, work from a lot of the time is back up. They were deflated for a little while, so it's back up and running, correct? It is. We blew up the bubble. <laughs> yeah. Thank God. <laughs> you, yeah. Well, you and Alan have been working so hard there. I'm surprised it didn't fall down sooner. But, no, I know it was a, a storm, what, a few, what, about a month ago? Right. Blizzard in Buffalo. The heater broke because there was too much snow on the heater, which means the heater probably wasn't hot enough to melt the snow. Right. Therefore, the heater wasn't blowing the bubble up. Therefore, the bubble came down. And the lights were up, and the and the lights made a hole in the bubble, which made the bubble come down. Anyway, right. it's all fixed, and we're up and running, and there's 48 stations, and it cost them about $350,000 to fix it, and I figured it out that about in a week, it was all paid for. So lots wow. of people hitting balls in the dome. Wow. Well, congratulations on the team to uh... – get it back up and running in, in short order, and uh, glad you're, you're back in business, as they say. All right, we've got a great show for you. We're going to be joined here just momentarily by the new Chief Business Officer of the LPJ's Epson Tour, Jody Brothers. Uh, he'll be joining us in just a moment. And then a little bit later on, Cindy, we're going to speak with your students again, Natalie Wasik, uh, junior golfer from Lockport, New York. Uh, she was actually on the show back June 28th of last year, so we're going to catch up with her. And uh, she's just back fresh from Destin, Florida, which is a stone's throw from where I live, competing in one of the Under Armour uh, events down there, the uh, Winter Series, and we'll see how she did and, and what her thoughts there. But uh, let me tell you a little bit about uh, Jody, and then we will bring him on the show and find out what's new with the Epson Tour this season. Uh, Jody had uh, spent nearly 16 years with the PGA Tour, uh, mainly uh, as Vice President of Business Development, uh, in his role, he led his team in identifying, pitching, and negotiating multi-year title sponsorships and official marketing partnerships, navigating elements including league rights, television and digital media, player sponsorships, and investment in local tournament assets such as hospitality 
and on-site branding and so much more. We're going to find a little bit more about him as we uh, speak with him here and, uh, and see what's uh, going to be cooking this year on the Epson Tour. So, Cindy, let's welcome our very special guest this morning, the Chief Business Officer of the Epson Tour, Jody Brothers. Good morning, Jody. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, good morning. Welcome. How are you? We're doing very well. Thank, Thank you. you for joining us. Yeah, no, it's it's great to be on the show, and uh, I'm here in Winter Haven, and it kind of feels like the, the first day of school, getting the season kicked off this week. Right. Exactly. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. The, we're going to get you to talk a little bit about that. Um, Cindy, I'm just going to hop on here real quick first, and then I'll, I'll bounce it back over to you. Um, so, Jody, just tell us a little bit more. I, I gave, obviously, just a very brief introduction because you, you've literally got a laundry list of accomplishments that you've done over the many years. Um, but maybe give us just a little bit more background. When did you first start playing golf? And then tell us a little bit about your collegiate experience at uh, California State uh, University, how that sort of has helped influence uh, your career to this point. Tell us a little bit about when you started and then just sort of morph into the college uh, experience. Yeah, well, I, um, you know, I've been uh, playing golf since I was, I guess it was probably around 13 years old. I picked up the game. Um, I was, I was an athletic kid. I loved to be outdoors and, um, golf was, golf was great because I was, I was, uh, if you met me now, you wouldn't believe it, but I was really the smallest kid in my class all the way up through even into high school. And so golf was that game where size didn't really, didn't really matter. So it was a great equalizer and, and I just fell in love with the game, but didn't come from one of those backgrounds where, you know, my parents could just join the local club. So, for me to be able to to afford to play golf, which I was just addicted to it, at, you know, at a young age, uh, I worked at golf courses. I worked, if anybody remembers this brand, Nevada Bob's Golf and Tennis. I would go in after mm-hmm. school and regrip clubs and sell equipment and and um, really just I would take on any job that was related to golf. So here I am, you know, coming up on 40 years later. I've just you know absolutely, you know, loved working in the golf business and have done. Uh, you name the job, I've probably done it at, at some point in my career. Um, you know, but but high school, you know, the, the starting at 13, 14 led to high school golf, which led to playing golf at Chico State, which was, you know, just a kind of a small Division II school in Northern California. It was a first a first year program for me, so it was perfect. I was not a you know, a, a really um, high quality junior player. I didn't, you know, I was maybe all league in high school, but it was a small league. Um, so Chico was perfect because I actually got to to compete right away and 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 play in you know a number of tournaments. So um, and that lasted a, a couple of years. And unfortunately, my senior year they they stopped the the team for funding reasons. And um, mm. and I was already working at a golf course, so I just turned pro and became an assistant golf professional. And and that kind of launched my professional career. And you know, at that time, I, I was getting a little bit better at golf, and I played some mini tour stuff. And and I think that's when I think about this job, and when it came, you know, the opportunity came up. It, it was really a a collection of all these different things I've done over the years, from from being an assistant golf professional to running a private club, to running a corn ferry tour event, um, to you know having worked at the PGA Tour headquarters for a bunch of years. But it was really my time spent you know, uh, about a year, year and a half playing some, some mini tour events that really cemented my, my passion for, for this position, because I was there at one point trying to figure out where to play in practice, where to, 
you know, uh, what tournaments to play in, knowing that it was going to cost, a, you know, 800 to to $1,000 a week to enter the events and playing for, you know, the purse. It's just a bunch of – it was really, you know, that, at that level of my life was, was a bunch of guys throwing in uh, their life savings and playing for it each week. And um, so it, it really got me excited about this Epson Tour job because it's, you know, it's really the path to the LPGA. And I feel like I can mm-hmm. lean on, on my past experiences, whether it be selling sponsorships or running an event to, to help, you know, take this tour to the next level and really – give it the attention and the, um, that it really deserves because there are some really, really high quality athletes out here competing for, uh, you know, $200,000 each and every week. Yeah. They're, they're a great, uh, group of, of young women. And, uh, we've interviewed for a number of years now, Cindy and I have interviewed a lot of the winners each season as they come through and, uh, just very, very professional, uh, smart as a whip. Um, and, uh, just, just a great uh, group, and uh, and they work hard. Um, I think I hate to say this, <laughs> but they work harder than the guys do. Let me tell you, um, I've seen them at a variety of levels, and and uh, they have to go through uh, the paces for sure. Uh, but well deserved once they they earn their cards and, and move on. Um, I'm just going to ask one other question here, and then I'm going to let uh, Cindy take over. But when you look back over many of the things, and I know you've done so much more. I'm, I mean, I'm looking, as I said, at your, your complete bio here, and uh, there's so many other things that, you know, we could certainly touch on if you wanted to. But I want to, uh, you know, I think most people that have been around golf a long time have said this, that it mimics life in so many ways. What, if any, life lessons do you think you've extrapolated from playing and working in the golf industry? Is there anything that really sticks out to you? How has it sort of, you know, crossed over into your life uh, with what you do? Yeah. So, I mean, that's a, that's actually a fantastic question and probably one that I should ask more people about that are, that are, you know, that play golf. Um, you know, it, it, I think of a couple of things when I think about, you know, life lessons, first of all, you know, disappointment. Uh, if you play this golf long enough, you're going to be really, really disappointed at, you know, on, on a variety of different levels and, you know, losing tournaments on the last hole and, um, I, I still have the white whale of my club championship that I have figured out every way possible to lose that event, either the last nine or the last three or the last hole. Um, but, you know, and, it's, and, it, and it just teaches you how to respond and, you know, how to get over uh, disappointment really quickly. But um, I think the thing that, that the golf industry has done for me and, and, and why I would encourage so many young people to, to chase a career in, in professional sport and particularly golf is that, um, my exposure to mature people happened at a really, really young age. And right. um, I, I learned how to be able to hold a conversation with an adult and look them in the eye and give them a firm handshake. And, and I learned how to serve. You know, you, you work at a golf course. You are, you're there to serve the membership or the, to serve the public. And uh, I just think those are life lessons that have carried me you know, through my entire professional career and, and I draw on the fact that I was just exposed to really mature and oftentimes successful people at a, at a pretty young age. And when you're 15 years old and you're out there playing with, you know, a 40 year old business executive, if you're, if you're smart, you, you just keep up and ask good questions and listen a lot. And you can, you can learn a lot about life in a, in a, you know, without having to go to a fancy school. Um, it, it's been, it's just been tremendous in that respect. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And Cindy, um, 
you know, I think you could probably uh, attest to this. It's it's uh, golf is kind of like life's boot camp, and uh, you're certainly an expert at putting together you and Alan uh, putting together some boot camps. And uh, I think uh, golf certainly uh, falls into that category, as as Jody had, had said, as sort of really helping you to prepare, uh, you know, for later life experiences and that, and, and uh, dealing with disappointments and so forth. But Cindy, go ahead, and uh, uh, certainly if you want to respond, but uh, go ahead if you've got some questions for Jody. I need to digress and ask him a question. Um, how long were you at the PGA Tour? So I was there for 16 years. Um, I guess it was a, a month or two shy of 16 years. Uh, and I I was in the TPC network when I started my career, so I was kind of out in the field for the first five years. And then the last 11, I was I was at headquarters uh, in, a, in a variety of different capacities. Got it. Did you happen to know a guy by the name of Bill Kelfie? <laughs> of course, uh, Galf and, and I, uh, I worked for Bill uh, when I was in tournament business affairs on the, it's now the Corn Ferry Tour, obviously at the time it was web.com, and um, Bill is a is a good friend, I played a lot of golf with Bill, and um, just love him dearly, and actually his, uh, one of his sons, uh, Taylor is a member at the club that I play out of in Atlantic Beach, um, up in the Jacksonville area, and and so I I I get my Alfie fix from from time to time. I I know where to find him if I ever want if I ever want to find Bill Calfie, I just go to the driving range at Pablo Creek, and I'm sure he's there be- beating balls about seven hours a day. He still is is chasing it even even at uh, whatever his age is. He's definitely over sixty, so he's he's still chasing it really hard. Well, if you um, you got to tell them that you were on the podcast with Alan Miller's wife today because okay. his nickname is Chop. Did you know that his nickname was Chop? I did not. I did not know that. No, that's a that's yeah. a new so one you for gotta me. You got to say, Alan. Well, I heard that your nickname was Chop, and Alan Miller says hi, and so does Cindy. And there's a okay. story at our house that any time Chop played bad, he always went shopping, and you had to spend. So you were talking about disappointment, and when you play bad, and of course there's a lot of disappointment. So my husband and him played on tour together, right? And uh-huh. so they would go shopping, and he would always either buy a car or a house or something really expensive when he played really bad. <laughs> so Alan, counterintuitive. <laughs> pardon me, I didn't hear that. Oh, I'm sorry. It seems counterintuitive. You'd think if you played poorly, you'd you'd want to uh, not shop, <laughs> but retail therapy is real, I guess. It is real. It is real. Trust me. <laughs> I played on tour, too, and I did it as well. Anyway, yeah. um, so our next guest is, is our dearly loved 11-year-old uh, little Spitfire from Buffalo, who in the summer won the Under Armour National Championship. She just got done with the National Championship in the winter uh, a couple weeks ago, last week, two weeks ago. And, of course, had the disappointment of her first, you know, defending her title and didn't win. What would you say, um, with all your experience, and, and, again, I totally agree with you because I worked as a waitress, as a cook, and, you know, when I got my LPGA tour card, I didn't have enough money, and I worked as a waitress I, in the pro shop. I used to play matches in the afternoon against Joanne Carner, and she beat me like a drum and had to pay her off. I even rented her Airstream trailer in the trailer park with the cockroaches, huge. So I get it. 
Um, what wow. would you tell? What would you tell Natalie, who wants to play on tour? Uh, what might be her hardest lesson? Oh well, you know that's um, it clearly, clearly, you know, losing uh, something that matters and something that you expect to win is is going to be a a hard lesson. And I always thought that playing with a lead or or walking into a tournament when you look at the field and you expect to win, that's that's when the pressure is the highest. So. You know, I mean, my only advice for her would be to to just enjoy the process. She's going to have a lot of opportunities, and um, she just needs to enjoy the process of trying to get better each and every week. It's, it, I think, for me, when I when I've spent time around you know young people who are really good at the game, um, and clearly your experience as an instructor and as a professional is, is far exceeds mine. But I always thought that that the people that had the best chance of being successful on the LPGA or the PGA Tour or whatever tour they wanted to pursue was the ones that got better each and every year. And the ones that, you know, when when they did play poorly, um, were able to figure out, you know, pinpoint the deficiencies and go work on it and get better. And the ones that were nest never content to have a hole in their game. And so I, I think my advice to – to her would be look hard at where where she went wrong and and get out there and build a plan and start practicing to to improve it and um and enjoy the journey man it's also got to be fun if it's not it's uh it, and it becomes a job it's time to find something else to go do with you with your job or with your free time that was awesome uh, one more question why'd you take this new position so um I got asked that a lot, actually, during the interview process. Um, I saw a, a thing happening at the PGA Tour that um, caught my attention a couple years ago, and, and brands would we'd, we'd talk to brands about becoming a sponsor on the PGA Tour. And you know, keep in mind that the investment level was was significant, multi multi year, multi you know um, seven figure annual investment. In some cases, eight figure annual investment, and. I heard the brand say, the chief marketing officer or the you know, vice president of, of, of um, sponsorship say, look, do you know anybody over at the LPGA? Because I cannot do this without doing something on the women's side of the game for, for just you know, equality and DE&I concerns internally within the corporation. And so I started to see this real momentum on the LPGA side. And, and I'm reaching this point in my career where um, it's important for me not to just to be known for a guy who found the third proud partner at the tour championship or some other sponsorship, you know, the official vodka of the PGA tour or whatever. I really wanted to make um, a little bit of a difference and have um, maybe an opportunity to, to build legacy. And I view this Epson tour as, as a legacy building opportunity. If I go out and, you know, do the right job and help build a team that that can advance both um you know i look at a couple of different ways one is i want our athletes to play for more money and i call them athletes at every opportunity because they are truly athletes anybody that comes and watch watches these women play golf they're going to understand that that these are world-class athletes doing their craft um so finding sponsors to help invest in, in the Epson tour and, and get our average purse from 223,000 up. I mean, every week the, the PGA tour is investing lots of money in the 
Corn Ferry Tour, and they play for a million bucks a week. We're playing for $223,000 a week. So there's a gap that needs to be covered, and I want to get out there and do it. The other thing, too, is we want to create a better environment, a better traveling environment for the women as they go from, you know, we're in Florida this week, and two weeks we're in Mesa, Arizona, and and then we're, you know, back to back to Florida. Like, I want to help create a, a – a schedule that allows the athletes to move from tournament to tournament in a, in a method that allows them to have time off to rest every three or four weeks, um, do it in an ability. I don't think they need to be able to drive every week, but I want to create pockets of tournaments where they can fly into a region, rent a car, have that same car, you know, for two or three weeks, play tournaments that are within a reasonable proximity to each other and then and then fly home and take a week off and work on their game and and get rest and do all those things you know and and so um that's why I took this job because I'm, I'm hopefully you can hear it in my voice I'm passionate about it I really um feel like um this tour needs needs as much representation as possible and unfortunately over the years I've I've been able to accumulate a little bit of a rolodex of sponsors who potentially could invest in this tour and and I'm ready to put that to work Absolutely. Let me know if you need help. That, yeah, I, I will. It, it, it's going to take a village. You know what? <laughs> funny. You know, a few years ago, Dave Lafreni and I, we did a thing with Hartford Insurance, and I was like the madam, and I had all my little proettes, and we did these clinics, and we brought in, you know, Hartford Insurance and all these other people, and they had all their customers, and we did clinics, and then we went out and played with people, and they had a ball. And I'm like, this, this was awesome. And it's like, you got to help these girls learn how to deal with sponsors. Uh, yes, I totally agree. Totally agree. So let me know if I can help because I'm on the bandwagon because they all, we've got another student who's trying to do this and learn to play. And um, again, we've been there. And what, what else can you do but give back and have a little empathy yeah. and give them, give them some help. So thank you. Dad, you can go yeah, well, and, I, and I, appreciate, I appreciate your support with, you know, Hartford. That's one of our new events on the schedule this year, and, and I think um, it's going to be a great one. There, when we announce the schedule, we, we kind of track where all the media interest comes from and where the articles are being written, and it was the, the Connecticut region was um, overwhelmingly more popular than any other part of the country for a response to the new schedule being dropped. So I think there's a lot of great energy, and I – in the, in the Hartford area, and I appreciate all the work that you and Dave put in to help bring that tournament to life this year. Well, I didn't do it lately. It was it was a few years ago. But, again, you know, people care and they want to get closer. Well, how can you help the sponsors feel more a part of it? Well, that's one of the ways. Yeah, you know, anyway. that's 100%. So thank you. And, I, and I do believe that, I do believe the uh, – you know, the seeds that you planted a few years ago when you guys were working on this, you know, ultimately ended up, um, you know, with the with the result of being a new event on the schedule. And it, these things take a while. I mean, the average – when I was at the PGA Tour, the average new sponsorship took about 18 months to develop from start to completion of deal. I mean, it's long invested time to convince a sponsor that, you know, getting involved in professional golf is, is the right thing for their business. And, you know, people think about brands and – you know, we don't have a lot of crowds. We have, you know, small crowds. It's not It's not really about your signage in front of small crowds. It's really about what what the three of us on this call know is instinctive to golf. Mm-hmm. It's the pro-am experience. It's the B2B. It's entertaining your, your high-value client who loves golf and getting them to spend four or five hours on the golf course with these really talented athletes 
and teaching them, like you said, Cindy, about, you know, how to ask good questions and how to be a good um, steward of the program experience from the pro's perspective is, is, is part of our job to train them, but also their job to work with these, these clients of our sponsors and make sure their day was memorable because at the end, it's the business that that client writes with the sponsor that makes this thing work um, when you think about the whole sponsorship cycle. So um, it's, it's a great, like it's a great business. I think from a B2B perspective, professional golf, there is no better place for a brand to, to invest their marketing dollars. Absolutely. It's yeah, we, touches. yeah, we couldn't agree more. And uh, hopefully some of the sponsors, when they get a chance to play with in a pro-am with some of these young athletes, will be encouraged to go out and, and uh, tune up their own games, <laughs> especially when they see how good mm-hmm. these young athletes are. It's, uh, it's a little embarrassing, I'm sure, sometimes to see just how well they hit the ball and, and – uh, you know, you're struggling to keep up. Um, so let's talk yeah. just a, a little bit about uh, some of the new events and, and sponsors this year. Is there any new events? Obviously, uh, the one up in Connecticut, but uh, what about some other sponsors? Uh, what's, what's sort of the field looking like this, uh, this year? And tell us about the first event that's coming up this week. Yeah, so a um, lot in that question. We're, we're, we had 22 events this year. I mentioned the average purse is 223000 so we're playing for almost $5 million this year. Um, it's kicking off this week. I'm actually sitting in my car outside the tournament office because we just had our tournament kickoff meeting with all the rules officials and the operations staff. And um, so we're here in um, Winter Haven, Florida, at, at the Florida Florida's natural event. Um, this has been, I think, their 14th year on the schedule. Fortunately, we don't have a tremendous amount of turnover. Um, the, the, the clubs that are hosting and the sponsors that are involved seem to be, you know, hanging on, and, that, and that's, that's a really good thing, but we're pushing them to keep mm-hmm. raising purses. So I think we will see some, some turnover. There are three new events on the schedule this year. Uh, the event that I mentioned in uh, Hartford, it's called the Hartford Healthcare Women's Championship. It's at Great River Golf Club in Milford. Um, that's that's a first year event. We've got a new event that we um, that the, the the tour has actually helped stand up um, in Newburn, North Carolina. We're calling it Champions for Change, and it's really an event that celebrates diversity, equity, and inclusion on uh, on our tour. And we're going to do. Um, some things throughout the week that are really going to lean into, you know, equality in sports. And, and, and that's one that I'm excited about, you know, in, um, in the first week of uh, June, it's late May, early June, and it kicks off pride, uh, pride month. And, and we're just going to lean into, you know, um, equality. And that's, that's a real theme that I think you'll see on the Epson tour this year. Um, And then we've got a new event in Utah um, playing, it's the it's sponsored by uh, Black Desert Resort, which is actually in the St. George area. But the, this event, their golf course isn't quite ready to host. It's a new it's a new facility, so we're going to play in Salt Lake this first year, and then and then eventually pop down and and play at the resort. Um, and I'm excited because that that means we're playing twice in St. George, and I'll have the ability when we play there in a couple of months, or actually it's another month from now, to go check out the golf course and take a few of the athletes over and, and get a preview of the new, of the new facility um, there at Black Desert Resort. So it's three new events uh, and 22 events, which is um, I think one more event than we had on the schedule last year. And then the, the season culminates um, as it has the last few years in um, early October with the Epson Tour Championship hosted right in our backyard at uh, Daytona at, at LPGA International. Yeah, and that's yeah, it's definitely a very robust uh, season for sure. 
you know, just to touch on a point you had mentioned earlier, uh, you know, about trying to um, coordinate things in such a way that they're not hopping from one side of the U.S. to another side. Um, I know I remember, and Cindy, you probably recall this, back a few years ago, they had actually one season where they had seven events back-to-back. And, I mean, the, by the time they got through to about the fourth or fifth event, the, a lot of the girls were just, you know, exhausted. And, and it was a fluke that it happened. So I, I know from when we've talked to them, when a lot of the winners and, and other uh, players have, have come on the show here, um, they've, you know, expressed that the travel and that sometimes is probably one of the most challenging parts. I mean, they're prepared to get out there and, and do battle against their competitors, uh, but the travel is definitely uh, sometimes can be a little bit uh, challenging. So that would be great. Um, you know, if, as moving forward, if you, if you guys are, um, are able to coordinate things in such a way that makes it so, like as you said, they can sort of drop into one area and cover maybe a few events without having to really uh, go too far. What, what's, uh, as we get ready to wrap up here, what's going to be a win for you this season as the, the new CBO? Well, I think, I think from me, uh, from my perspective, a win will be we're already working on the 2024 schedule. I mean, regardless of the job I do, our, our operations and rules team is going to award a winner each and every week, um, and we're going to identify the 10 best players for the season that are ready to, to go and graduate to the LPGA. I mean, that, the chief business and operating officer doesn't really have much influence on that. What I can do is start today working on the 2024 schedule, which when I look at the job that all the professional tours have to do, it's probably the most complicated and difficult game of Jenga that you have to play with, you know, with your 20 <laughs> or 25 events. Um, and, and finding the right date and you got agronomic issues and you've got, you know, schedule issues and you don't want them to play seven weeks in a row because the athletes are going to be tired and burn out. So um, getting a schedule that starts to represent kind of what I talked about was these pods of three events with a week off in between that are sort of geographically located throughout the country and, you know, having stretches of the schedule where the women can travel in car versus having to get in expensive flights and check luggage and all that stuff. And really, uh, I think that to me will be a big victory if we can start to, and it's not going to happen in one season. It's going to take a couple of years of mm-hmm. tweaks to get it to that spot. Um, that, that will be a victory. And the other thing too is, is just getting the, the world to recognize the talent that exists on this tour and having the Epson tour brand really mean something in the world of golf. And that's, you know, I've got a small team of content providers or producers that do video, they do written word, they do still photography, and really encouraging them to push out as much content and grow our following so that the world can see what I see when I walk up and down the range line or drive the golf course like I did yesterday and see some of the shots that are being hit and the, and the level of dedication and, and you know, that, that is being put into to perfecting their craft. Um, you know, that would be a victory if, if more of the world knew about the Epson Tour and, and what we were all about at the end of this year. I, I couldn't agree more, and we're certainly going to do our part here on the Women of Golf. We'll continue to uh, coordinate with uh, yourself and, and uh, members of your team to, to get the winners on each week uh, as best we can. Obviously, sometimes schedules uh, are, are conflicting, and it's not always possible, but uh, we always uh, try to get a, a player for sure on and give them an opportunity to uh, share their experiences and their, their um, um, you know knowledge of the game and, and what their aspirations are, and they always uh, – uh, have a good time. So we're looking forward to uh, a new season and we appreciate you coming on and, and helping uh, kick off the 2023 Epson tour 
uh, season, and uh, we'll have you back again throughout the season for uh, recap and and follow-ups and and all that good stuff. And we'll hope you come back and join us. But we appreciate you taking time this morning, and uh, and uh, best of luck uh, in in the season moving forward as as the new CBO. Well, thank you. I really really appreciate the the opportunity to be on the show, and I really appreciate everything you and Cindy do for, for the game of golf. And, uh, Cindy, I'll, I'll be sure to say hello to shop and, and let him know that, uh, that we have a, uh, a commonality now. So it was really, really Thank a pleasure you. to be on the show and I will do it anytime. So right. I'll send you my content. Oh, have a good one. Yeah. Thank you. Right. Talk to y'all later. Right. Bye. All right. Jody brothers, uh, the new CBO of the Epson tour joining us this morning is telling us a little bit, uh, obviously very enthusiastic and, and uh, really interested in stepping in and, and, uh, and getting things moving in, in a, a positive direction. I think he's going to do well in that position. And, uh, we look forward to, uh, doing our part, as I said, to, to help, uh, you know, elevate the tour and, and, uh, these young athletes. So, uh, we're going to take a very quick break. Um, and then Cindy will be back with uh, one of your students, Natalie Wasik. We'll be right back. The following ad is sponsored by Golf Tips Magazine. Are you tired of being short off the tee? And what about those three putts? Forget about it. It's time you got serious about your game. Golf Tips, the most in-depth magazine in the industry. For over 30 years, Golf Tips has delivered expert content such as the latest golf instruction from America's top pros, simple-to-follow practice and game improvement drills, fitness and mental game tips, equipment, training aids, accessory and apparel reviews, golf destinations and travel tips for every budget, and so much more. Don't miss a single issue. Go to GolfTipsMag.com and subscribe today. All right, uh, you're back with uh, Cindy and I as we get ready to welcome our second guest. And let me just tell everybody a little bit about her. As I mentioned, she was on the program back in June of 2022, and she's back again. Uh, her name is Natalie Wasik, and she's a junior golfer from Lockport, New York. Uh, she began her golfing journey at uh, age five, and she's 11 now, so she's been playing for about six years. Um, and she's been competing in numerous golf tournaments, including many U- U.S. kids events, uh, the Western New York PGA Junior Tour Championship, and several of the Under Armour uh, competitions as well, which she just came back off of uh, from Destin, Florida. And uh, notable, on September 4th, 2020, she got a hole-in-one at the Gothic Hill Golf Course. So we'll find out a little bit about that and some other things. So, Cindy, let's welcome your student, Natalie Wasik, to the program. Good morning, dear. Good morning. How are we? I'm great. How are you? Good. Did you skip out of class? So um, I was able to step out for um, about, like, uh, 45 minutes or so. So. Okay. Good. Yeah. Did you tell them what you're doing? Yeah. <laughs> Good job. Good job. Ted, I'm going to let you start because I talked to her yesterday All right. and I'm going to see her. All right. Well, sounds good. Well, Natalie, welcome back to the show and, and uh, we're excited to have you. And uh, I, I, I'm going to have to learn your secret because I was never able to get out of class to do anything. <laughs> My teacher would never let me go, so I have to find out what your secret so I can learn. Even though I'm not in school anymore, uh, maybe I can learn to You probably weren't <laughs> but a student as her, Ted. And you probably I can guarantee you. Well, as her. So there. <laughs> I, I can guarantee it. I, I wasn't even close. Um, so let me ask you a, a very simple question before we get into some of the other stuff. 
Um, why golf? What was it that you enjoy most about playing this game? What was it that really, you know, you started, as I mentioned, at, at age five or maybe even a little earlier, uh, you began swinging that golf club. What was it about the game that appealed to you? So um, when I was younger, my parents, you know, introduced me to a bunch of different sports. You know, I tried uh, figure skating. I tried, you know, t-ball. But I I really liked golf because um, I liked how it was an outdoor sport because I really enjoy out the outdoors and nature. And I also really like how um, it's an independent sport and it's an individual sport. And I really like that because if you hit a bad shot, you, you don't have anyone to blame it on. So that just makes you want to work harder and be better at the game of golf. I think that's a great answer. And it certainly is, as you uh, have experienced, it can be very challenging at times, but it can also be very rewarding. And uh, yes. one of the things that I mentioned, yeah, one of the things that I mentioned, and I want you just to tell us a little bit about it, um, is your hole-in-one that you got uh, back in uh, 2020, excuse me, and that was at uh, the Gothic uh, Hill Golf Course, hole number eight, in fact, it was 125 yards. Um, so that would have put you, what, about eight or nine, if I'm doing my math correctly, because that was about three years ago. Yeah. So um, yeah. that was pretty exciting, and that's pretty uh, – I was in my 30s when I got my hole-in-one, so uh, you, you certainly outdrove me uh, on that category. Tell us a little bit about that. You obviously were very excited. What, what did you do? What was the club you used, and, and um, what was your thoughts when that happened? So, you know, it was part three, and uh... – it was like I was eight years old and I was turning nine in about like a month or so. So I hit my hybrid. Well, so me and my dad have played that hole many times before. And, you know, I've always hit like my three wood and it's come up like right on the green. So I was like, okay, I'll hit my three wood. But then my dad was like, nope, here, hit, hit your hybrid. So I hit my hybrid and it looked like, like it was really, really straight and it hit like actually like below the green and then it bounced up and rolled on. But, um, I, I hit my hybrid that time, and I was really excited because when we got in the car and we drove up there, I didn't see my my ball, so I was really excited, and um, I I didn't really know it was a hole-in-one. I thought maybe it just rolled off the green, but when I we looked in the hole, like, my dad was like, oh, it may be a possibility that I went in the hole, and, and um, when, like, we walked towards the hole and we saw it in there, I was, like, so excited and I was like so like it was very very great so you were pretty were you jumping up and down at that point and and kind of a woohoo you know uh excited because that was obviously your your first hole in one and hopefully many more will follow um that had to be very exciting for you to and obviously as you said you didn't see it um you didn't know it was a hole in one until you got right up there so that was even even more exciting it was kind of a bit of a surprise right right yeah yeah because like when i was eight years old i never would have thought that i would have gotten a hole in one because that was like you know i've like always thought that you know it's really really hard to get a hole in one and i was like so excited and happy when i saw it in the hole i i I think that's fantastic, and I think the earlier you can get one, I wish I had gotten. I think I wish I had been in my uh, eighth or ninth year when I got my uh, first one. I have two uh, thus far, and uh, my first one I was in my 30s, and my second one I was in my 40s, so I'm still waiting in my 50s to get another one, but we'll see if it happens. Uh, so I want to ask you one other question, and then, and then 
as you answer this, Cindy, I'd like for you to to sort of maybe jump in and add some some thoughts as well on this because it really kind of applies to you as well. So you've, you've played, as I mentioned, in a, a bunch, and I only just named a couple of examples, uh, a bunch of junior golf events. Do you do anything special to prepare for those events? What I mean, obviously you practice now, but is there anything special that you do to prepare? And then Cindy, once she sort of answers, then I'd like you to maybe jump in or add anything that you want to from, from her coach's standpoint. Um, I definitely prepare because, like, I work like before or like the two weeks before I just work like extra hard just because, you know, like I, like I really want to win an event and you know, like the moment that like you win, it's like, so like, it's amazing. Like the feeling that you get when you win and, you know, I really like practice on my swing mechanics and like, you know, where my arm should be and where my wrist should be and where my foot. And, um, I think I just work really, really hard in those like few weeks leading up to that event. I think that's uh, I think that's some good good strategy there, Cindy. Um, maybe you can expand a little bit from her coach's standpoint what you and Alan try to do to help her prepare for some of these events. I would say she works hard all the time. I would I would not say she works especially hard before an event. I would say she is diligent always. I would say she is learning how to be more aware to be able to pinpoint what happens when she misses it. Would you agree with that, Matt? Yes. So we were she was going to come to boot camp in January. And unfortunately, the day that she was coming, um, the airplane got delayed and they were going to miss their connection. So they couldn't come because there was no other way they could get there. And I wanted her to come to that before she went to the Under Armour National Championship, which is what she was at last week. Because she hadn't played because we live in Buffalo and we had two blizzards, right, before. So we didn't get that opportunity Um Therefore, there was nothing we could do about it. And her miss, she she ends up outskating the puck. She comes out of the shot. So her tee shots go high right, and she pulls her second shot. And she, again, she's only 11, so get off her case, Cindy. Um, she's not as sexy as force management as she will be because, again, she's only 11, and her dad doesn't play, so... So making decisions on playable yardage when it's uphill, downhill, side hill, um, a temperature, it was really cold there, right? I mean, people don't realize that dust in Florida can be 20, 30 degrees with wind howling and you're on the ocean and temperature changes and how to pick yardage and stuff. So long story short, she learned a lot. And what Jody just said, you know, what's the biggest thing about learning? is you got to learn to lose a lot and mm-hmm. be sad and, and all that stuff like Eric Cole is right now. Um, so that being said, she's learning so much and she's like an old soul, which I love mm-hmm. about her, which again is what Jody just said. So uh, the wisdom that man just shared with us, Natalie, did you listen to his interview? Yes, I did. Okay. 
I want you to kind of maybe have Daddy download it because there's gems that when I was listening to him, all I thought about was Jamie Miller hanging out, um, playing golf with older men. My son has friends that are 50, 60 years old. It, like it's no big deal because you get to play with people that are older than you, that are more mature, that are very successful. And if you're smart, you ask the right questions. Everything that man said was so brilliant. And if you're not alert to life, you won't get any of that. But Natalie, you're alert to life. So listen to that over and over again and try to try to glean the nuggets that he shared. And if you do, it's going to be amazing. Anyway, that being said, Natalie is an old soul. She learned a lot of lessons. They came in yesterday. We shared a lot, or Alan shared a lot of golf drills that will help her stay in position longer. She will do these drills like it's her only job in life. Next time she plays in a tournament, she won't miss as many shots. Plus, she just came from boot camp, so she would did the tournament. She went to boot camp. She will learn how to hit this ball straight. She will learn how to do playable yardage. She will kick butts left and right. So that's what I have to add. Agree, Nat? Yes. Do you have anything now, do you have to a, add, Nat? Uh, go ahead, Natalie. Um, I don't think I really have anything to add. I mean, I just, I really, like like Cindy said before, like before um, I'm really learning right now how to, like, manage the course and, playing the playable yardage and, you know, like knowing where to learning how to manage the course better. Yeah. You know, once you learn, and, and again, as Cindy's, you know, mentioned, you're, you're 11 years old, so you've got lots of life left and, and ability to work on the physical parts of your game. Um, but the, the mindset and what you say to yourself uh, is extremely important as well. And a lot of players, uh, even at high levels, sometimes uh, neglect that. It's not as common in today's uh, golf as maybe what it was, you know, 30, 40 years ago because people are becoming more aware. So, Natalie, when you hit a bad shot, which we all do, and you're going to hit, you know, a a few of them along the way, what do you internally or or out loud, whatever, what do you say to yourself after that shot to, to help you move forward and focus on the next shot, which is now the important shot at hand. So what do you say to yourself when you do hit a bad shot that, that gets you out of that negative mindset? So I always say I, if I hit a bad shot, I always should follow it up with a good one because I never, like, I feel like when I have a worse mindset, I play worse. So I always want to, like, mm-hmm. be calm and, you know, have a good mindset. And I also, like, want to play one shot at a time and have fun because, you know, like I said, the main reason that I'm playing golf is, you know, because I want to have fun and, you know, because I love this sport and I want to have fun. And I also say that, like, the next shot is going to be my best shot because, like I said, um, like, if I have a worse mindset, I don't play as good. So I always want mm-hmm. to have an open mindset. I think that's some very wise um, words to, to analyze that. You, you know, Natalie, I think, what happens with so many players is just the opposite to what you just said is that they get into that negative mindset and are not able to move on. And they're constantly thinking about that, that shot that they hit, you know, three holes ago that put them in the water or put them out of bounds or what have you. 
and here they are three holes ahead and that's all they're thinking about. They can't move on. And, um, you know, if you're not able to do that, then you're not going to be successful at anything you do. And that's with anything in life, even, even outside of golf. So Cindy had mentioned, uh, and I know you mentioned this briefly the last time that you want to play at some point on the LPJ, uh, you know, one day, are there players on the tour currently that you watch? I'm sure you watch some golf in addition to playing that you admire, um, how they handle themselves, how they play, not necessarily that you want to be like, but that you, um, are encouraged by, is there players that are on the LPJ tour right now, uh, or maybe another, uh, tour that uh, really impress you that you say, wow, you know, I really like how they handle themselves and I'm going to try to do, be a little bit more like that in my game. So I love Lexi Thompson because I really like how she's very calm on the course, I feel like, and I really like how she works out and she like works very, very hard at her game. And I love Nellie Corda because she, all of these people are very, very calm. And I also um, she won the Olympics, and I really want to, you know, do that at least sometime in my career. So, um, and I also like Jessica Corda, Nellie's sister, because she has a very, very cute dog, and I really like dogs. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> that uh, that's a, an, an honorable thing as well. Um, and those are great choices, by the way. Uh, both Nellie Corda and Lexi Thompson uh, are very good uh, examples of um, not just incredible playing professionals or athletes, as, as Jody, uh, our earlier guest, said, um, but they're good examples of good people. And I think they have a very positive mindset. And sure, they hit some bad shots and they have struggles and they don't win every single tournament. Uh, but they are overall are successful because they do have that positive mindset. It's not always just about the physical game. It's about the the mindset and the emotions and things like that. And it sounds like you've got yourself on a, on a good track. Cindy, I'm going to let you uh, have the last uh, few moments to an- ask any questions that you want or discuss anything with, with Natalie you can share with our audience. What did you learn from the last tournament? Um, I... I learned a lot that, you know, it's better. I'm like, I like to make small trips down, you know, to Florida or to even play in some tournaments just to get like, you know, play off of real grass, you know, and like, I feel like that's like, and um, I also learned about like club selection and, you know, um, like Cindy said, um, like the playable yardage and breaking um, like the putts and everything like that. And I, I definitely learned how to manage the course a little bit better um, especially with like, you know, and I also had a little bit of a, um, thing there where, you know, my clubs were going a little shorter than usual. And, you know, I came to Cindy and asking her that question and she said that, um, you have to play the correct playable yardage because when I was in boot camp, um, sometimes I didn't play that yardage and my clubs kind of came up short. So, um, I also think that I have to do more on my own since I'm getting, you know, a little bit older and I'm not going to have a caddy forever. And um, I think I'm just learning to do more things on my own, um, like, you know, my distances for my chipping and all that and ranging the yardages and everything for my next shots. So I learned a lot at my last tournament. Awesome. Awesome. Very good. Very good. Uh, Go ahead, Cindy. Do you have another question or or comment you want to? What are the drills you're going to practice and why? 
So um, yesterday I came to you and you said, um, you know, uh, stand backwards in your stance. That's a big drill to keep my foot from coming out. And also, you know, keeping my left heel up when I swing so I don't pop ahead of the ball. And um, those are two drills that I'm definitely going to work on. So she comes out of it. She moves forward too quick, Ted. So, Mm -hmm. again, no one tries to miss the ball. No one, you know, oh, I want to hit it bad. Let's hit it bad. So what we try to do is we give people drills to practice that tricks their brain, that helps their body stay in position longer. So when you do the drills, your brain's kind of saying to you, what are we doing? Why are we doing this? This is silly. This stance feels funny. I don't know if I like this. And we do that so that it helps you stay in position longer so that you hit the ball better. And that's why we said if you can stand and do these drills, it will keep you in position, again, longer and help you hit the ball better and help you feel what we want you to feel like or be in position at impact when you hit it. Does that make sense, Ted? Yeah, it certainly does. Um, And, you know, these are things that, you know, Natalie, that obviously as you continue to develop as as a young junior golfer and then eventually into a professional golfer, um, you're going to learn all these little nuggets, you know, uh, along the way, and you're going to be able to, as you said, be able to um, sort of not necessarily self-teach, but you're going to remember all of these drills and things that you can take out and do on your own when you're not, you know, with Cindy and Alan on a particular day or, um, you know, uh, have a caddy present or what have you, um, you're going to be able to work on some of these things on your own as time moves on, and you're going to be able to do them successfully because they're going to be ingrained in your in, in your sort of daily mantra, if you will. Um, if you were to assess your own game, and just sort of a general overview, you don't have to get into too specific details, what's your strongest part of your game right now, and what areas do you still struggle a little bit with? I think my driving and my putting are very good. And I also think that, you know, my three wood um, is very good too. And, you know, I've been practicing a lot on those three things. Driving is a very important part in your game because that's like if you hit a good drive, then you'll have a good shot at the green. And if you putting, you could possibly save par or save birdie. So I think that's a very, um, like, strong part of my game. And I really wanted to work on those things. And I – I think that my um, my three wood is very good because um, I like to on those longer holes I like to you know get up maybe on like a par five like to get up you know try to get up in two and I think that I really wanted to focus on those three things and I worked really hard. I I couldn't agree more. That sounds like some good uh, good strategy there. Um, the one thing I noticed you didn't say and I was surprised. Um, I assume you're going to keep that hybrid in your bag too the lucky hybrid that helped you get that hole-in-one a couple of years ago. So hopefully you're not throwing that one away too soon. You might have a few more hole-in-ones off of that one sometime. um, But, no, it's good. And, and, you know, I I went back and listened to a little bit of your earlier interview with us uh, um, last year, and it's just amazing, Cindy, even just in that short period of time, um, how much she has matured and just really focused and, and just really understands herself as uh, not only a player, but as a young lady. And, um, uh, you know, it's certainly a, a testament to her own efforts, but also uh, many of the things that you and Alan have her working on. 
Um, so uh, kudos to you and Alan for, for what you're doing. And congratulations, Natalie, on, on really, um, I would agree with what Cindy said. I think you are what they classify as an old soul. I'm an old soul, too, uh, in both ways, uh, one just internally, but also I'm older than you, so I'm definitely older. But, um, you know, I think it's, uh, I think it's great. The, you have a, a fantastic attitude uh, towards life. You always look at the positives and don't really dwell on the negatives. And, Cindy, I think you would agree with that, right? I think she's really on a, a good track with her mindset, um, which is important to be successful in this game. Would you agree? Absolutely. She is, she is, she is. Yeah, and, and she she takes um, instructions very well, and she's willing to put in the work, everything. Yep, she's a good kid. Fantastic. So what's your uh, – Natalie, one last question. This is This is about Cindy. What's your favorite thing about Cindy that you like about Cindy? I love how, um, like, she pushes me very hard and she gives me the corrections because she just wants me to be a better golfer. And I really like that because she, like I I said, she gives me a lot of corrections and, you know, she gives me drills. And I really like that part. And, you know, on the golf course when we're practicing, um, she, you know, she's very funny and um, she is very fun on the golf course. And, I really like that about her. Hey, Ted, yeah, you, you got to look at my reel. Wait, wait, wait. Sorry, you got to go look at our reel we did at boot camp. We had so much fun on the last hole we played. So Natalie's also a dancer, and she's really, really good. And so she was boogieing on the golf course. I go, whoa, 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 stop, stop, stop. we got to make a reel. And she was awesome. And she's a little more fun, no offense, when her dad's not there. <laughs> yes, I said that on the air. And um, <laughs> so you have to check out the reel at cindymillergolf.com, and she was great. I will def, I will definitely do that. And Mike, uh, her father, if you're listening, don't take that personally. It was meant well intended, but, uh, um, but yeah, no. And obviously, you're very supportive and and uh, always nope. wanting nothing but the best. Fun without him. <laughs> right. <laughs> well. Well, you know what? It, it, it's Natalie's moment, so it's time for her. And obviously, I was going to ask you finally what what some of your your hobbies and enjoyment. And obviously, um, I see you're part of the student council and obviously honor roll. So, Cindy, that goes to what you said earlier. She's definitely a smart young lady, uh, but dance is obviously something else. So, when you're when you're not playing golf, um, Natalie, what what do you like to do for fun? Um, like Cindy said, I love to dance. I dance three days a week, and I love to go skiing in the wintertime with my family, and I also really like, so my dad really loves to hunt, so I love to go hunting with him, too. We've been to many places, and, um, yeah, I do a lot of things. I do, I used to do track, I used to do basketball, but I had to give some of this up for golf because I wanted to focus more time on golf. Well, I'm glad that you did because uh, we enjoy uh, uh, hearing your about your journey and that. Just uh, from personal experience, I grew up in the north uh, east as well, up in Canada, and I uh, used to do some downhill skiing. Just be careful if you're doing downhill skiing. You don't want to break your leg because that'll st- stymie your golf career for a little bit. So just be careful if you're doing that. But certainly continue yeah. the dancing. But, Natalie, thank you for joining Cindy and I this morning. I know you got to get back to uh, uh, to classes and that. Um, 
But uh, we appreciate you coming on and sharing uh, a little bit about your, your journey, your experience again. And keep up the good work, work hard, and I uh, hope you come back and join us again in a future show. Thank you. It was great. Thanks, Nat. Thanks, Natalie. See you in a couple hours. Bye. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. What a great young lady. Um, and she's certainly in very capable hands uh, with the Millers. Uh, you and Alan, Cindy, do a great job uh, with with all of your students, but uh, particularly your junior students. I think they really respect and and, you know, as she pointed out, she recognizes and appreciates that, you know, you do push her too. You know, it's not all about, uh, certainly you want her to have fun and enjoy the experience, but you push her, you, you challenge her and, and make her, you know, if you want to be a better player, here's what you need to do. And you're drawing from your own experiences, obviously, on tour and that. And she obviously, it resonates with her, and that's important. Um, so job well done. Thank you, dear. All right. On that note, we're going to wrap up, and that's it. We will be back next week with another great guest. And as I mentioned, uh, the last couple of weeks, we did a No BS Zone part of a series. Uh, we tackled the physical part, and last week when Cindy was off, my guest and I tackled the um, uh, golfing mindset and the emotions. And next week uh, in the No BS Zone, we'll start things off and tell you some great tips that you can do to get the season off right. So hope you'll join us here on the Women of Golf. But on that note, thanks to our special guests, Jody Brothers and Natalie Wasik, for joining us this morning on the Women of Golf. God bless everybody, and have a great week. We'll see you next week on the Women of Golf. Thanks, Cindy. Thanks, Ted. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed listening to this week's Women of Golf show. Ted and Cindy wish to thank this week's special guests. Remember to join them every Tuesday from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern here on the iGolf Sports Network or on any of these social media platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, CastBox, TalkStream Live, and of course Spotify. To get updates on the show, you can follow the Women of Golf's Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash womenofgolf. This has been a production of the iGolf Sports Network.